going on, family? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Oh, it's felt like it's been a while. It's been a week, and I want to apologize for not having a show. Had some things I was dealing with, working on, and um, yeah, feeling a bit better now, which is good, and so better enough to at least try to bring you a show. But the good thing is many of you have been continuing to follow us on the socials where things are continuing to pop off. So thank you so much for your continued support on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. It is greatly appreciated. And if you are subscribed to our podcast, thank you so much. That means the world to us. If you're not subscribed, click the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us now. And you don't have to wait for the socials for when we drop a new episode because you'll see it as soon as it drops. With that said, there is so much to get into. I'm going to just briefly touch on certain things and I'm going to likely spend the most amount of time talking about the latest WWE pay-per-view being Extreme Rules. But first, we want to take a look at some of the things that happened last week in the world of pro wrestling just to give you an idea of where things are and perhaps where they are going. So let's start with NXT 2.0. NXT 2.0 had its second week last week in this new environment. The show was a bit different. Well, kind of, sort of. Started off, of course, with a cruiserweight title match that saw Roderick Strong become the new NXT Cruiserweight Champion by defeating Kushida. Uh, It also saw some pretty significant matches and then mixed in there were a couple of what we would consider squashes. The night ended, of course, with a great tag team match that saw Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland take on the NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker. So it seems pretty clear that NXT is about to build Braun Breaker in a pretty big way. We kind of got that indication from the official relaunch of NXT 2.0. He kind of got the John Cena ruthless aggression treatment with the exception of Cena didn't pin Angle, but in this case, Breaker pinned LA Knight to kick off this new season of NXT, also known as NXT 2.0. So it's kind of clear that they're getting ready to give us a program involving Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker. There are a lot of questions still floating around NXT 2.0, but there's one thing that's not in question, and that's the ratings. So the ratings last week came in at 746,000 viewers, which is about 24,000 viewers off from its debut. And let's just kind of be really, really clear about this. This is significant. Most times, as we've seen, certainly if you go back to the debut of SmackDown on Fox or quite frankly, any debut, that first week is going to have a significant amount of numbers. The real question comes, what happens the week after? And so in this case, when you look at only losing 24,000 viewers week over week, it says people are invested in NXT 2.0. Of course, this week will be interesting to see as there are a number of title matches that are scheduled to happen, including the NXT Women's Championship on the line, a match we were supposed to get two weeks ago that we'll get this week. So it's interesting. And here's the tough part. The tough part is 
really being able to assess what success looks like for NXT 2.0. I think in the world of Vince McMahon and in the world of certainly the network USA, it is about how many eyes are paying attention to the product. And if things continue in this 700,000 range, it's safe to say that NXT 2.0 will be considered to be a success. If you think about it, a lot of NXT has been below the 700,000 mark for quite some time, actually. Really, if you go back to May of this year, that's when things started dipping below 700,000 and really stuck around 700,000 or lower up until, of course, things happened with this whole changeover. So I think those things are the things that are going to be viewed when it comes time to being able to determine whether or not this is a success. Of course, they have other metrics like what are the new stars that are being presented, etc., etc. One of my questions is what happens to the folks who were previously getting pushed in NXT? For instance, we have yet to see an NXT North American title defense. I don't even recall if there's been one since Swerve won the title. I don't know. There's been a lot of focus, of course, on Hit Row against El Legado del Fantasma. There's been a lot of focus on that, which I get. It's kind of cool. So I don't know where this is going. We've seen the faction wars between those two, but not really a title defense. Or maybe there's been one. Yeah, I think there was one. But that's about it. So I don't know where that stands. I obviously don't think we'll be seeing an NXT title defense until we see Ciampa against Braun Breaker. We now have a women's title match happening. But there are a lot of questions, you know, a lot of people who are lost in the shuffle. You know, we have not seen Zia Lee, who it's rumored that she's headed to SmackDown. We've not seen Dakota Kai. We don't know where she's going. Of course, people are popping up injured. Kyle O'Reilly was injured for a little bit, but he came back. Samoa Joe, we don't know what's happening with him outside of an injury. And so it's a lot of still questions in the air. Where's Walter in the UK? Uh, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. And perhaps some of those questions get answered this Friday as part of the WWE draft. Of course, we know the draft will be kicking off on SmackDown this year. It's one of the new things that happened since SmackDown is the quote unquote a show. So it's going to be interesting to see who goes to SmackDown, who goes to Raw. Personally, I like the rosters the way they are, so I'm not really sure what they're going to do to upset the apple cart. I don't see any champions switching. For instance, we've already had Big E switch over to Raw since he won the WWE Championship. So I don't know if you go ahead and switch him back to SmackDown. We've already had the New Day breakup, which was last year. So it doesn't make sense to do it again. I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see who goes where. Perhaps Lashley heads over to SmackDown to challenge Roman Reigns. That could be interesting, but I don't know what the plan is. I don't know who's going where, but obviously we'll start finding that out on Friday and we'll have some more conversations about that leading up to it. Taking a look at some other ratings really quick, AEW Dynamite. AEW had a massive week last week for both Grand Slam and Rampage. Dynamite Grand Slam drew in 1.273 million viewers, which is up from last week's 1.175 million viewers. So they picked up about 100,000 viewers, which is a big deal considering how 
big this show was. And once again, AEW is over the 1 million mark. They have had five consecutive weeks where they have brought in over a million viewers. And then prior to that, the two weeks prior, they were just under with 975,000 and 979,000. So really, they have been killing it. And they've been killing it ever since they've gone back on the road. And they've had some big moments happen. Obviously, the addition of Malachi Black, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. And we got the dream match Wednesday night a full 30 minutes between Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. So I've said this on the socials, but I want to go ahead and publicly say it here on this podcast because there were some people who were upset about the Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match. How did it end in a draw? Why was it only 30 minutes? Why wasn't it for the championship? I think one of the things we have to get good with and this is going to come up again when we get over to extreme rules. So just remember this particular point. We've got to get back into the art of storytelling and appreciating that. And that means long-term stories. Unfortunately, our attention spans in general have become so short that we think one match is going to solve a problem, that we think one encounter is going to be enough. Gone are the days where we have rivalries. You know, I don't know how some of us would have existed in the 80s era of wrestling, where a program would last for a year or two years and there'd be matches spaced out. I think about Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, the amazing battles that they had, two out of three fall matches and the like, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Some of the very interesting rivalries that would happen in the 80s, you know, granted, I know that some of our attention spans are different, but I think with Omega and Danielson, we began to see a rivalry that could last for a really long time. For those who are unfamiliar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, in my opinion, this is the American version of Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada, a feud that lasted for at least a year year that gave us so many amazing matches and if you think about it it was their huge match at Wrestle Kingdom which I believe was nine or ten maybe it was eleven I'll get the number right soon but Wrestle Kingdom their match there is the match that really set things on fire in terms of America's interest in New Japan Pro Wrestling I can tell you now after that Wrestle Kingdom and after that one hour draw I absolutely began investing in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I've been invested ever since. So I think this match between Danielson and Omega is doing and did something for American fans. It showed, first of all, that fans are interested in pro wrestling more than they are sports entertainment. It did say that people have the palate to be able to deal with a 30-minute match on television that fans won't lose heart and it's exciting to see so congratulations and I'll say this I want more of it I'm glad it wasn't for a championship I'm glad that it was a 30 minute draw and we didn't get a definitive winner now we're going to want to see more and we'll want to see it go longer that is exciting 
This is not something that we should frown at. We should be excited about, particularly if you're a fan of pro wrestling. And it seemed as though there were certainly more than a million fans of pro wrestling tuned in. Shout out to that crowd in New York City, which we just have to spend a little bit of time talking about the significance of AEW going into New York City. So in case you're unfamiliar Back during the territory days, New York City and really the Northeast was considered WWE country. And there were many opportunities for other promotions like the growing AWA or the NWA to come into New York City. Now, what they would do, some of them would go into like Long Island. Some would even go to New Jersey, which were WWE strongholds and really hold shows. And they weren't necessarily the most populated shows. Not like when WWE would show up in those particular venues. And very few people attempted to try to go after the garden, but some did try. Many did fail. But here's what's interesting. We have not in the history of pro wrestling seen a non-WWE event. Scratch that. Let's go back to New Japan. New Japan and Ring of Honor when they had their G1 show during WrestleMania weekend that booked the garden and it sold the garden out. But here's again, so I can go back to my statement and say never before has this happened. That was during WrestleMania weekend. WWE wasn't playing in New York. WWE was playing in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. And again, they outdrew New Japan. Obviously different venues, right? But you have a scenario here where AEW came into New York City And in coming into New York City, they bypassed the stronghold that is Madison Square Garden. They bypassed the stronghold, the new stronghold that is the Barclays Center. And they created a brand new venue for pro wrestling. This Arthur Ashe Tennis Center has never seen pro wrestling before. But they do it and they draw more people than WWE did two weeks prior at Madison Square Garden. This is monumental. And they put it on television. Huge, guys. Huge. For all of those who might think that AEW is a flash in the pan, what they pulled off last week with Dynamite and then a two-hour rampage, it was brilliant. Brilliant stage setup. Brilliant use of the crowd, brilliant showcase of their talent, giving us two amazing shows in front of a super hot crowd. Man, AEW gets it. They get it and they get it well. Let me also say this. Two things can be true at the same time. AEW gets it and Vince McMahon will never acknowledge it, but they have raised the game for WWE. Think about the content we're starting to get in WWE. We got a cash in on Monday Night Raw for the WWE title two weeks ago. Last week, we got a triple threat match between Bobby Lashley, Big E, and Roman Reigns, the WWE champion and the Universal champion. In fact, we saw more Roman Reigns last week on television than we have in a really long time. And I mean in matches as well. So something big is happening in the world of pro wrestling, and I hope that we will allow ourselves the opportunity to enjoy what's happening. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? 
Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book and Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a them, all right, guys, so I'm really excited. Before we get into our look at Extreme Rules, I'm excited to announce that this week drops the SHW documentary called Hold Your Fork. It will be available on SHW's Facebook page and on YouTube as well. It is available for free. I'm telling you, it is incredible. I've had a chance to preview it and I am pumped with what I saw. If you've never had a chance to experience the story of Southern Honor Wrestling, you're going to get to experience it. It is special. I would name drop, but I don't want to do that. Instead, I want you to be able to check it out as it premieres this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on Facebook, facebook.com slash Southern Honor Wrestling. I'll make sure I drop these links when it drops on all of our socials so you can check it out. I will drop one name and say this, Chris Jericho has already publicly said he wants to see this documentary. And if I threw some of the names out that are in this documentary, you'll be like, Wow. I will give you this sneak peek. Yours truly is actually in the documentary. So 
I hope that's enough of a reason for you to want to watch, but definitely check it out as it premieres this Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube. It is an incredible story, masterfully told, and you'll get to see and hear why we've been making such a big deal about Southern Honor Wrestling. With that said, I want to use the rest of our time wisely and talk about WWE Extreme Rules, the pay-per-view. It took place this past Sunday. Now, first things first, I think WWE has to have a sit down with Peacock, right? Peacock had a couple of major glitches that happened in this pay-per-view that made us wonder what is really going on. During the pre-show, there were moments where you heard both Spanish and English commentary at the same time. And then when you get to the start of the pay-per-view, during the opening match that's got the New Day battling Bobby Lashley and the former tag champions, Omas and AJ Styles, you hear both English and French commentary happening at the same time. And then there were commercials that would pop up literally during the entrance or the stories of some of these matches. Bad, bad business. Peacock has got to get it together. It's not the first time that they've had a major screw up during a WWE pay-per-view. If you remember the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, WWE's first foray back with fans in the world of pay-per-view, they had literally about 15 to 20 minutes where the pay-per-view wasn't working. You couldn't access it during the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. So Peacock, we got to get it together because there's way too much money involved for it not to be right, okay? With that said, I think there were some fantastic matches that happened here. I know a lot of people have been talking about the ending of the pay-per-view, but don't allow the ending of the pay-per-view to cause you to forsake some of the great matches that happened in here. Let's talk about the SmackDown Women's title match that happened between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Can we say coming of age? For anybody who thought that Bianca was a flash in the pan, no, 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 no. Bianca, of course, has had a banner year, and many could argue she's up for contention for wrestler of the year if they had that category anywhere. It might be overshadowed by what's happening with Roman Reigns and his incredible title defense. But if they ever have a, if they split it and do a men's or women's, she's the women's wrestler of the year. I don't care, and I know Courtney Beard right now and Brandon Clack right now are somewhere going, you're crazy. Charlotte Flair is the women's wrestler of the year. Heck no. Bianca Belair won the Royal Rumble. She main evented WrestleMania, had a pretty dominant title reign, and then turns around and has a match of the year candidate with Becky Lynch. She's proven that she can handle all of the four horsewomen. Well, she's dealt with now three of them. She's proven she is in the upper echelon of the women's division in all of women's wrestling. Then you get Sasha Banks that comes in. And again, I heard some folks on Twitter saying, hey, you know, I hate the way this match ended. No, 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 no. We are telling a story here. You could not have a clean winner coming out of this. Think about it. 
if Becky wins, you ultimately bury uh, all that's been happening with Bianca. If Bianca wins, you bury what happens with Becky. So what happens? It either goes to a time limit draw or there has to be some funky finish. In comes Sasha Banks, who has every reason to insert herself in here. She, of course, did not get her SummerSlam match. And then she turns around and she's staring at Becky Lynch, who took her spot. This makes sense. Do not drop the ball with this WWE because this is the rivalry we need to see. All three women battling for themselves. Man, one of the highlights of the pay-per-view without question. I enjoyed most of the matches on this pay-per-view. I will tell you, uh, certainly for as much as I praise that match, the Raw women's side of things was disappointing. Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss. So I'm going to say something that may or may not be popular here. But I don't like the watering down of this Alexa Bliss. I actually enjoyed the Alexa Bliss that was directly connected to The Fiend. I enjoyed her kooky, crazy things. I enjoyed what appeared to be almost supernatural. I enjoyed it. It made her different and it made her someone to fear this alexa bliss was not to be feared she didn't pull off and this is not the alexa bliss who earlier this year beat randy orton right this is something different and i don't like this and so my hope is that what happened with her at the end of the match with lily getting destroyed uh, becomes a thing that moves Alexa closer to that darker Alexa that really made a lot of us like her. Some may, you know, argue it's a take on Bray's gimmick, but right now who's doing that? Nobody, male or female. And really, you have to argue since the advent and entrance of The Undertaker in 1990, there's always been this dark, mysterious character whether it was Papa Shango or The Undertaker for 30 years or whomever else may attempt to be that, Bray Wyatt, et cetera, et cetera. They need that. That's just kind of how WWE rocks and rolls. But they hadn't had that on the female side until Alexa Bliss. So with that said, I think there needs to be some sort of reboot for Alexa Bliss. I don't know what's happening, but something needs to go down with that to make a major change. Now then, let's get to this main event, right? The main event for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus the Demon. I gotta say, I liked pretty much everything about this match. Roman Reigns these days can do no wrong, right? But this is a major test, I think. The Demon never losing in WWE. I thought all of that was super cool. Everybody's talking about the kooky ending, okay? The ending was weird, the top rope mysteriously breaking while the demon is kind of in his trance or whatever, which is something we had not seen before, him in the trance, etc., etc., etc. I'm waiting for the explanation for this. I'm waiting for somebody to explain why the top rope broke. Is Roman Reigns in a great relationship with God where God is fighting the devil? Uh, did the demon end up aligning too much of his powers and it broke the top rope like we need an explanation that can't just happen and then we walk away 
So I need an explanation for that. With that said, my other major disappointment is that that and the destruction of Lily were the most extreme things that happened on a pay-per-view called Extreme Rules. This was not an Extreme Rules pay-per-view, guys. In an Extreme Rules pay-per-view, we see tables matches, ladder matches. We see no disqualification matches, etc., etc., etc. The closest thing we got to that was the Extreme Rules match for the Universal Championship. So I think it's either time for them to change the name of this pay-per-view or actually allow it to live up to what its billing is. Because this was not it. Granted, we got some great matches, but Extreme Rules isn't supposed to be about just great in-ring matches. It's about stipulations. Why change this if it's not broken? It happened when there were no fans in the arena or when we had the Thunderdome. Why not do it with fans who were chanting for tables the whole night? I don't know. Anyway, I'd love to get your thoughts. I know we asked some folks immediately after the pay-per-view and some liked what they saw. Some still needed time to process, which I completely understand. Now that we're a couple of days removed from it, what are your thoughts? Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I think we're going to start the conversation very soon about what happens during the draft. Who should go where? And again, remember, NXT is not involved, which I just hate the shade that's shown to NXT. But I have to get used to the fact that NXT is returning to a developmental state at this particular point, whether we like it or not. And the first two weeks of ratings seem to support Vince McMahon's claim or new direction. We'll see. With that said, I hope you guys have an absolutely amazing day. Be sure to hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show. And until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Have a great day. I my people. Here we go.